Have you ever experienced the comfort of sleeping on a buckwheat pillow? I hadn't until I received my first Hello Pillow several years ago. I was already familiar with the sensation, having used a versatile brick-shaped pillow filled with buckwheat as my favorite yoga and meditation prop for years. When my Hello Pillow arrived, I was struck by its substantial weight, reminiscent of a large, natural beanbag. The premium quality stitching confirmed its durability, and upon unzipping it, I found it brimming with buckwheat filling, just as expected. Since then, Hullo kindly sent us a second pillow to try, and now we have his and hers Hullos. You too can experience this comfort by visiting hullopillow.com slash snoozecast for a discount on multiple pillows. So if this sounds like a good deal to you, please go to hellopillow.com slash snoozecast for up to $20 off per pillow when you buy multiple pillows, plus free shipping on every order. Again, that's H-U-L-L-O pillow.com slash snoozecast. And in doing so, you'll not only be investing in a good quality, natural pillow to help you sleep better, but you'll also be supporting SnoozeCast. Now, on to tonight's episode. Peter Pan, the 1911 novel by Scottish novelist and playwright J.M. Barrie. Peter Pan is a free-spirited and mischievous young boy who can fly and never grows up. He spends his never-ending childhood having adventures on the mythical island of Neverland as the leader of the Lost Boys. Peter Pan has become a cultural icon symbolizing youthful innocence and escapism. He must forget his own adventures and what he learns about the world in order to stay childlike. His name and playing the flute or pipes suggests the Greek god and mythological character Pan. When we left off, Mrs. Darling waits patiently and sorrowfully for her children to return home, keeping the nursery window unlocked and opened just in case. Peter and Tinkerbell arrive with a devious plan to secretly close and lock the window, but at the last minute, Peter has a change of heart. The darling children then fly home to their parents. Afterwards, the six lost boys make their appearance and ask if they can be adopted as well. 
cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. Chapter 27 When Wendy Grew Up I hope you want to know what became of the other boys. They were waiting below to give Wendy time to explain about them. And when they had counted five hundred, they went up. They said nothing, but their eyes asked her to have them. Of course, Mrs. Starling said at once, that she would have them. Follow the leader, Mr. Darling cried gaily. Hoopla! He went off dancing through the house, and they all cried hoopla, dancing after him, and they all fitted in. As for Peter, he saw Wendy once again before he flew away, outside her window. Hello, Wendy. Goodbye, he said. Oh, dear, are you going away? Yes. Mrs. Darling came to the window, for at present she was keeping a sharp eye on Wendy. She told Peter that she had adopted all the other boys and would like to adopt him also. I don't want to go to school and learn solemn things, he told her passionately. Keep back, lady. No one is going to catch me and make me a man. But where are you going to live? asked Wendy. In a fairy house in the trees with Tink. Wendy, come with me to the little house. May I, Mummy? Certainly not. I have got you home again, and I mean to keep you. But he does so need a mother. So do you, my love. Well, all right, Peter said, as if he had asked her from politeness merely. But Mrs. Darling saw his mouth twitch, and she made this handsome offer. To let Wendy go to him for a week every year to do his spring cleaning. This promise sent Peter away quite happily again. He had no sense of time, and was so full of adventures that all I have told you about him is only a halfpenny worth of them. I suppose it was because Wendy knew this, that her last words to him were these rather plaintive ones. You won't forget me, Peter, will you, before spring cleaning time comes? 
Of course, Peter promised, and then he flew away. Time passed, and they all settled into their routines. Little Michael believed longer than the other boys, though they jeered at him for it. So he was with Wendy when Peter came for her at the end of the first year. She flew away with Peter in the frock she had woven from leaves and berries in the Neverland, and her one fear was that he might notice how short it had become. But he never noticed. He had so much to say about himself. She had looked forward to thrilling talks with him about old times, but new adventures had crowded the old ones from his mind. Who is Captain Hook? he asked with interest when she spoke of the arch enemy. Don't you remember? she asked, amazed. How you killed him and saved all our lives? I forget them after I kill them, he replied carelessly. When she expressed a doubtful hope that Tinkerbell would be glad to see her, he said, Who is Tinkerbell? Oh, Peter, she said, shocked. But even when she explained, he could not remember. There are such a lot of them, he said. I expect she is no more. I expect he was right, for fairies don't live long, but they are so little that a short time seems a good while to them. Wendy was pained, too, to find that the past year was but as yesterday to Peter. It had seemed such a long year of waiting to her. But he was exactly as fascinating as ever, and they had a lovely spring cleaning in the little house on the treetops. Next year, he did not come for her. She waited in a new frock because the old one simply would not meet, but he never came. Perhaps he is ill, Michael said. You know he is never ill. Michael came close to her and whispered with a shiver. Perhaps there is no such person, Wendy. And then Wendy would have cried if Michael had not been crying. Peter came next spring cleaning, and the strange thing was that he never knew he had missed a year. That was the last time the girl Wendy ever saw him. For a little longer, she tried, for his sake, not to have growing pains. 
and she felt she was untrue to him when she got a prize for general knowledge. But the years came and went without bringing the careless boy, and when they met again, Wendy was a married woman, and Peter was no more to her than a little dust in the box in which she kept her toys. Wendy was grown up. You need not be sorry for her. She was one of the kind that likes to grow up. In the end, she grew up of her own free will a day quicker than other girls. All the boys were grown up and done for by this time, so it is scarcely worthwhile saying anything more about them. You may see the twins and Nibs and Curly going any day to an office, each carrying a little bag and an umbrella. Michael is an engine driver, slightly married a lady of title, and so he became a lord. You see that judge in a wig coming out of that iron door? That used to be Toodles. The bearded man who doesn't know any story to tell his children was once John. Wendy was married in white with a pink sash. It is strange to think that Peter did not alight in the church and forbid the bands. Years rolled on again, and Wendy had a daughter. This ought not to be written in ink, but in a golden splash. She was called Jane and always had an odd, inquiring look, as if from the moment she arrived on the mainland, she wanted to ask questions. When she was old enough to ask them, they were mostly about Peter Pan. She loved to hear of Peter, and Wendy told her all she could remember in the very nursery from which the famous flight had taken place. It was Jane's nursery now, for her father had bought it at the three per cents from Wendy's father, who was no longer fond of stairs. There were only two beds in the nursery now, Jane's and her nurse's. Once a week, Jane's nurse had her evening off, and then it was Wendy's part to put Jane to bed. That was a time for stories. It was Jane's invention to raise the sheet over her mother's head and her own, thus making a tent, and in the awful darkness to whisper, What do we see now? I don't think I see anything tonight, says Wendy, with a feeling that if Nana were here, she would object 
to further conversation. Yes, you do, says Jane. You see, when you were a little girl. That is a long time ago, sweetheart, says Wendy. Ah, me, how time flies. Does it fly? asks the artful child. The way you flew when you were a little girl? The way I flew? Do you know, Jane? I sometimes wonder whether I ever really did fly. Yes, you did. The dear old days when I could fly. Why can't you fly now, mother? Because I am grown up, dearest. When people grow up, they forget the way. Why do they forget the way? Because they are no longer happy and heartless. It is only the happy and innocent and heartless who can fly. What is happy and innocent and heartless? I do wish I were happy and innocent and heartless. Or perhaps Wendy admits she does see something. I do believe, she says, that it is this nursery. I do believe it is, says Jane. Go on. They are now embarked on the great adventure of the night when Peter flew in looking for his shadow. The foolish fellow, says Wendy, tried to stick it on with soap. And when he could not, he cried. And that woke me. And I sewed it on for him. You've missed a bit interrupts Jane, who now knows the story better than her mother. When you saw him sitting on the floor crying, what did you say? I sat up in bed and I said, Boy, why are you crying? Yes, that was it, says Jane, with a big breath. And then, He flew us all away to the Neverland and the fairies and the pirates and the mermaid's lagoon and the home under the ground and the little house. Yes, which did you like best of all? I think I liked the home under the ground best of all. Yes, so do I. What was the last thing Peter ever said to you? The last thing he ever said to me was, Just always be waiting for me, and then some night you will hear me crowing. Yes. But alas, he forgot all about me. Wendy said it with a smile. She was as grown up as that. What did his crow sound like? Jane asked one evening. 
It was like this, Wendy said, trying to imitate Peter's crow. No, it wasn't, Jane said gravely. It was like this. And she did it ever so much better than her mother. Wendy was a little startled. My darling, how can you know? I often hear it when I'm sleeping, Jane said. Ah, yes. Many girls hear it when they are sleeping, but I was the only one who heard it awake. Lucky you, said Jane. And then one night came the tragedy. It was the spring of the year, and the story had been told for the night, and Jane was now asleep in her bed. Wendy was sitting on the floor, very close to the fire, so as to see to darn, for there was no other light in the nursery. And while she sat darning, she heard a crow. Then the window blew open as of old, and Peter dropped in on the floor. He was exactly the same as ever, and Wendy saw at once that he still had all his first teeth. He was a little boy, and she was grown up. She huddled by the fire, not daring to move, helpless, a big woman. Hello, Wendy, he said, not noticing any difference, for he was thinking chiefly of himself, and in the dim light, her white dress might have been the nightgown in which he had seen her first. Hello, Peter, she replied faintly. Something inside of her was crying, Woman, woman, let me go. Hello, where's John? he asked, suddenly missing the third bed. John is not here now, she gasped. Is Michael asleep? he asked, with a careless glance at Jane. Yes, she answered, and now she felt that she was untrue to Jane as well as to Peter. That is not Michael, she said quickly, lest a judgment should fall on her. Peter looked. Hello, is it a new one? Yes. Boy or girl? Girl. Now surely he would understand, but not a bit of it. Peter, she said, 
faltering. Are you expecting me to fly away with you? Of course. That is why I've come. He added a little sternly. Have you forgotten that this is spring cleaning time? She knew it was useless to say that he had let many spring cleaning times pass. I can't come, she said apologetically. I have forgotten how to fly. I'll soon teach you again. Oh, Peter, don't waste the fairy dust on me. She had risen, and now at last a fear assailed him. What is it? he cried. I will turn up the light, she said, and then you can see for yourself. For almost the only time in his life that I know of, Peter was afraid. Don't turn up the light, he cried. She let her hands play in the hair of the tragic boy. She was not a little girl heartbroken about him. She was a grown woman smiling at it all, but they were wet-eyed smiles. Then she turned up the light, and Peter saw. He gave a cry, and when the tall, beautiful creature stooped to lift him in her arms, he drew back sharply. What is it? he cried again. She had to tell him. I am old, Peter. I am ever so much more than twenty. I grew up long ago. You promise not to. I couldn't help it. I'm a married woman, Peter. No, you're not. Yes, and the little girl in the bed is my baby. No, she's not. But he supposed she was. And he took a step towards the sleeping child with his dagger upraised. Of course he did not strike. He sat down on the floor instead and sobbed. And Wendy did not know how to comfort him though she could have done it so easily once. She was only a woman now, and she ran out of the room to try to think. Peter continued to cry, and soon his sobs woke Jane. She sat up in bed and was interested at once. Boy, she said, why are you crying? Peter rose and bowed to her, and she bowed to him from the bed. 
Hello, he said. Hello, said Jane. My name is Peter Pan, he told her. Yes, I know. I came back for my mother, he explained, to take her to the Neverland. Yes, I know, Jane said. I have been waiting for you. When Wendy returned diffidently, she found Peter sitting on the bedpost, crowing gloriously, while Jane, in her pajamas, was flying round the room in solemn ecstasy. She is my mother, Peter explained. And Jane descended and stood by his side with the look in her face that he liked to see on ladies when they gazed at him. He does so need a mother, Jane said. Yes, I know. Wendy admitted rather forlornly. No one knows it so well as I. Goodbye, said Peter to Wendy, and he rose in the air, and the shameless Jane rose with him. It was already her easiest way of moving about. Wendy rushed to the window. No, no, she cried. It is just for spring cleaning time, Jane said. He wants me always to do his spring cleaning. If only I could go with you, Wendy sighed. You see, you can't fly, said Jane. Of course, in the end... Wendy let them fly away together. Our last glimpse of her shows her at the window, watching them receding into the sky until they were as small as stars. As you look at Wendy, you may see her hair becoming white. For all this happened long ago. Jane is now a common grown-up with a daughter called Margaret. And every spring cleaning time, except when he forgets, Peter comes for Margaret and takes her to the Neverland where she tells him stories about himself to which he listens eagerly. When Margaret grows up, she will have a daughter, who is to be Peter's mother in turn. And thus, it will go on, so long as children are happy and innocent and heartless. The end.